Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Achut Let's Talk. And in today's episode, we have Rob Farian with us. He's the founder of Flying Me Group, a California-based digital marketing agency. And in today's episode, Rob will be sharing his uh, journey as a digital marketing owner, uh, agency owner, and how he was able to scale his business from complete scratch. And, and he has been doing that for the last uh, seven years now. And you have been doing that very successfully. Hi, Rob. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. And really excited for this podcast and this interview. And and yeah, just really appreciate appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to see uh, how the podcast progresses moving forward. And I know big things are coming. So happy to be here. Sure. So Rob, uh, tell us about uh, how you started as a digital marketing agency and why did you even choose to start as a digital marketing agency? Sure. Yeah. So my brother and I, uh, we're co-founders of the company. We have a third partner now, um, Brennan Smith, uh, in the business. And really was kind of a, a serendipitous happenstance for how we kind of stumbled into um, the agency business. So uh, I was working for a financial consulting company, actually, at the time, doing some B2B financial consulting and I had worked in marketing capacities in the past uh, with a tech startup company. And uh, while I was working for the financial consulting company, I actually got an a email or a call from a, a mentor of mine who was a lawyer. And he called me in a panic and said, hey, Rob, uh, my emails are blacklisted. My website's been hacked. Um, you're the only guy I knew to call that that might be able to help support me and get me back on my feet because we can't run our, our law firm right now because we can't communicate with our clients. And so I said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Obviously, I had some background in, in marketing and advertising and websites and whatnot and uh, took a look at things and, and formulated a game plan to get things back up and running. Uh, redesigned his website just spur of the moment and uh, did we did a great job, got everything back up and running. And uh, he said, all right, yeah, thank you so much. You know, we're, we're operating now and, and everything's good. You know, let me know what I owe you. And, and at the time, you know, I was just doing it as a, t trying to help a friend and, and so sent him an invoice, paid the invoice and, and kind of just, that was that light bulb moment for me. And I thought, you know, how many, how many other individuals like his name was Mark um, and his law firm could use the support from a digital perspective with their online assets, not just from an IT perspective, but also from a marketing and advertising standpoint, because we redid the whole website, reconfigured his messaging, et cetera. And so that's when I kind of said, hey, I think there's an opportunity here in, in what I call like the professional services space. So financial consultants, lawyers, um, insurance companies, and, and talk to my brother. He was currently working at Deloitte in terms of whether it is wealth management or a law office, but they don't have a lot of support um, from a digital marketing and advertising perspective. And so that's kind of how it, how it started and, you know, went in with a shoddy business plan and, and uh, scope and said, Hey, let's start and start knocking on doors and calling people within our network and, and get started. And, and to this day, 
that service space is still one of our biggest segments of the business. And we find that there's even more need now than ever for those types of individuals and those types of companies to get uh, proper marketing and advertising support. So uh, we work with all sorts of companies across different verticals, but but yeah, still to this day, um, that type of individual uh, needs needs help and needs support because yeah. a lot of times they don't have uh, the bandwidth or they don't have uh, the capable team members on their staff uh, since a lot of times their staff is lawyers or financial advisors, yeah. et cetera. So yeah, didn't really plan it um, in terms of, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to start a business, but that opportunity uh, kind of kicked things into gear and, and identified a, a pain point that clients had and one that we can capitalize on. And, and that's, that's kind of the cliff notes of, of how we got started. So in which year did you got started? Like when was this happening? Yeah, so that was in 2015. Um, so middle of 2015. And then um, towards the end of 2015, that's when we started to kind of formalize things, figure out a name, uh, handle all the legal components of getting a business started. And then uh, really kind of hit the ground running and kicked off uh, in 2016, the beginning of 2016 in terms of actually launching the business, launching the idea, telling friends and family that we were leaving our, our nice, nice, good jobs and salaries that we had to, to start a business from scratch. So, so how did your family most accepted it? Like, did you have an initial struggle while doing that? Or when others got to know that, Oh man, this is, this guy is leaving a job and starting as an entrepreneur. And you know, there's always a challenge that uh, society gives back. Uh, business is kind of risky when compared to the job. Yep. So how did, how, how did that happen? Like how does the, those kind of challenges you face and uh, how, do you, yeah, how did you overcome that? Yeah. 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 I always, I always knew I wanted to start a business of some sort, right? We had, we had worked projects with um, associates or friends of mine in the past, everything from we built a mobile app, uh, kind of had some side businesses across multiple different channels and, and types of offerings, but nothing real substantial in terms of, okay, I'm jumping head first uh, into this opportunity. So my immediate family, um, yeah, they were very supportive because I think they, they knew that that was something that I had always aspired to um, and wanted to do and, and have the ability to grow something, build something on my own, um, of my own and, uh, and really go down that route from a career path standpoint. And I had, I had bounced around from a couple different jobs, you know, and, and, and they were okay, you know, but a lot, a lot of lack of creative freedom or just a lot lack of autonomy in the positions that I was in, which was frustrating. So immediate family was definitely supportive. Um, friends, you know, they're, they're kind of, are you sure, you know, what's the game plan? You know, you've got, you've got a good job where you're currently at. So, um, some, some people that are a little less risk averse. Um, but I'm a, I'm a big believer in taking risk and, and taking chances. And I think that's the way that, you know, you progress regardless, whether that's in a, in a job role and taking risks within that job role or, uh, pivoting to a new, uh, a new vertical or starting a new business in this case. So I'd say overall, though, the feedback was positive. And I think people knew that, you know, this was always something that I had aspired to do and wanted to do. And, and I got joy out of it. And so I think that's where most of the support came from knowing that 
okay, I was going to have an opportunity to do something that um, I was 100% behind and excited about and uh, really on fire for the idea of building and growing a business. Um, so yeah, a lot of, lot of challenges, obviously, uh, growing a business, but uh, I think the rewards far outweigh um, the obstacles and the challenges that you, that you run into. So yeah, overall feedback, very positive. Um, but some people definitely, are you sure, you know, and that, that sometimes can, can put some doubt into your mind, but I think yeah. it's just, you know, believing in the plan you put in place, but more so believing in yourself too. Um, so yeah. I think it's important to have that confidence that, um, you can solve the problems that are going to be presented, um, and, and figure out how to progress and better yourself and, um, you know, mind over matter. It, it really is true, even though it's, it's cliche, uh, so having that confidence, you know, is something that I think every entrepreneur, um, that, that makes it and, and succeeds, uh, it's a constant thread. And, uh, specifically, you know, uh, it's said that when you started out, when you start a business, it's better to tell your friends and family. And that is how most of the, your first client you get. And, uh, in your case, how was it? Where did you find your first client? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. that's exactly it. I mean, I think early on the network around you um, is what's yeah. going to support you, especially right out of the gate, because like any business, uh, especially a brand new one or the first venture that an entrepreneur has, has a lot of times they don't, they don't have anything to stand on, right? So they don't have any yeah. past case studies or past experience. Um, they don't have yeah. any proof uh, to, yeah. to pass that through to somebody that might not know you. Um, so yeah, early on, a good friend of mine, Christian Richter, uh, he runs Old Harbor Insurance Services, and uh, he's built an incredible business there. Uh, but he was kind of one of the ones that similar entrepreneur probably was much more relatable to me than I even realized. So when I started speaking with him, uh, he had some work that I could help and support him with. And that helped us kind of get things off the ground and, and build something and start to leverage the work that we were doing for him uh, with other potential clients. So, so yeah, I think it's important to consider that network that you have around you, right? And what are um, the options that you can tap into right out of the gate to kind of accelerate the growth process? Um, because yeah, getting started from scratch is tough. And, and I, yeah. I, I use this, you know, when pitching clients to it, I like the, the, the world's strongest man. And I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, the semi truck pole, right? Well, it takes them, takes them a little bit to get the, the semi truck moving. Right. But once they get yeah. that thing moving, and they're, yeah. they're sprinting with this thing. Right. Yeah. So I think yeah. early on, you know, having that strong foundation and network and individuals that you can talk to and say, Hey, here's what I think I'm, I'm going to be doing. You know, it, it has some crossover with what you're doing. Are there any projects I might be able to help or support you with? Um, and even if that's free work too, I mean, anything that you can do to start to build that portfolio um, and build that proof of concept uh, is invaluable when you're getting started right out of the gate and then obviously mm -hmm. leveraging that network around you. So uh, you also support that uh, when you're starting out, it's, be it's better to start with some free job that you do, like you do it, you did it for free. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, everyone says, Hey, you know, put yeah, value behind it. your services, right. That's obviously yeah. very important. But again, I think early on, you know, experience is valuable too, right. So it might yeah, not necessarily right. be 
the monetary compensation that you're looking for, but it might be the ability to, okay, I can write a case study on the work that I did, right? And use that to promote, yeah. or I can round out my skills, or I can test something with a lot less risk, knowing that you're providing that service at, you know, a much cheaper cost right out of the gate. So I think it, I think it depends, right, on the type of service, um, on, you know, what it is you're trying to do. But yeah, I think early on, any way you can get your feet wet um, and, and get your hands dirty with some type of work uh, that pays dividends in the long run. And, and to circle back, yeah, we, were, we weren't doing, we weren't making a lot of money early on with those types of projects. But like, for example, Christian is still a client of ours, right? Here we are oh. five, six years later. And so yeah. um, that type of stuff will pay dividends in the long run. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And when we have it, we possess a skill like a marketing skill. You have a marketing skill and you're pretty sure about that. And you want to provide it to your clients. But along with starting a business or, or while starting an agency, you need other skills like uh, sales. You need to learn about sales, how to pitch to a client and how to talk to them, how to retain clients and how to uh, have a pricing in place. So how did you figure those things or those aspects of a business? Were there any guides who mentored you or uh, is there anyone who supported you to figure this, all these things out? A lot of trial and error, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. a lot of a lot, a lot more air for sure. Um, so I think it is just those, those repetitions, right. And you start to understand consistent patterns. Um, and so I think one of the things that I always preach early on is, is looking at all the different opportunities as they present themselves and, and, uh, taking the time to vet things out. Uh, if it is a sales call, regardless of how big or small, uh, having the ability to have that conversation is something that can generate, you know, valuable feedback, experience, etc. Um, practicing, I think, was a big component for me as well. So, you know, you might not necessarily be pitching somebody on a service, but again, going back to that network, asking somebody, "Hey, would you mind if I run through my my sales pitch with you and and give me feedback?" Um, and then, you know, nowadays with the online learning capabilities, you know, leveraging the resources that are available too. Um, we're const- I'm constantly learning even to this day about better ways to do things or leveraging individuals that have a specific expertise, if it is in sales or if it is in operations um, and taking bits and pieces from what they do and seeing, okay, how does that fit into my organization or how might that fit um, into my sales pitch? Uh, but I think at the end of the day, yeah, just a lot of a lot of trial and error, um, a lot of really testing, tweaking, um, trying new things, uh, and seeing, okay, are there any patterns, right? Are there any consistencies that I can pick up on to where you start to realize realize, okay, I know that these sorts of messages in a sales pitch work really well, right? Or these are the types of questions that I need to be asking early on to the client to uh, present Mm -hmm. a better pitch that's more aligned uh, with their business. So I think looking back, that, that was a key piece was identifying what I needed to know about the client in order to then put together a proper plan and strategy in place. And and that's still something to this day that we really pride ourselves on is we want to have a real strong understanding of the business from 
top to bottom of who we're working with to where if I know what they're worried about, what keeps that owner or CEO up or up at night, what their customers' pain points are that that particular uh, business might be solving, that allows me to do such a better job and resonate with that client when I am talking about how we might be able to support and help them. So um, yeah, I've got, I've got like an onboarding questionnaire that we use for discovery calls. So, you know, following uh -huh. that as a guideline has been very helpful. Can you just suggest some of the few of the questions that you have on your, you know, uh, any questionnaire that you, yeah, of course, you go with the um, yeah. my, my favorite one. And, and a lot of times it stumps people because they're, they tend to be long winded when explaining what it is their company does, but it's, tell me what your business does in eight words or less. Right. Um, so that gets a very succinct answer to where, okay, now I know, now I know what their focus is, right. There's obviously always a lot of noise and other things that may be going on around a business, but, uh, that helps to really define, um, what it is they do. And, and, and then that curtails into the rest of the conversation and deeper questions. Um, and then I think too, you know, what have you, what have you done in the past that has worked and that has not worked? Right. Uh, because then yeah. you get valuable feedback to potentially find gaps that may have existed in previous strategies to where it might just be, you know, a very fine tuned tinker or adjustment, um, that someone else may have missed that really starts to drive success. Um, so yeah, I think those would be two of my favorite ones that I like asking. Obviously, that that spirals into a lot of other different types of questions and follow-ups, uh, but those would be definitely mm -hmm. two of my favorites. Yeah, that's that's really insightful. And uh, my second question will be like, uh, when you started out your business, and uh, were you sure that you wanted a co-founder, or uh, or you 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 just wanted to have a business that with you that and your brother should be part of it? Was that something similar or? Uh, you you're pretty sure that, or were you able to manage by yourself if you started out in 2015? Yeah, um, great question. I think having the right co-founder is a huge benefit, right? So I think the proper mix and understanding of what strengths one another brings to the table. Uh, so like, for mm -hmm. example, with myself and my brother, who's the co-founder here, we have two completely different skill sets, right? So I was more of the driver of building the marketing strategy, understanding the client and how we can fit marketing in. And my brother Tyler supported a lot from like an administrative side of building the business. So the accounting mm -hmm. principles, the operational aspects, et cetera. So that made for a nice blend in that we both kind of had our separate areas in which we mm -hmm. could, um, provide the best value for our time, which was our number one asset that we had uh, starting out because it definitely wasn't money. Um, it was, it was yeah. time and effort. So I think when considering a co-founder, yeah, it's, it's, does this person uh, help me leverage my abilities? Do I help leverage their abilities? And then do we also have a nice mesh and fit to where, you know, we're not stepping on each other's to toes or we're not made out of the same cloth, right? To where, okay, if yeah. my brother was the same as me, that that might be okay, but then we would have a lot of other gaps that we'd be running around trying to fill 
um, either through outsourced partnerships or just ourselves trying to figure it out. Um, now, with any with any startup or, or new business, you're obviously going to be wearing a lot of different hats and doing a lot of different things. So I think with that being said, um, probably would have been okay if I was just going solo. Um, but I think mm-hmm. the bandwidth is a big piece of it as well, right? At the end of the day, there's only, there's only so many hours and regardless of how hard you may work or how efficient you may be having another set of 60, 70, 80 hours a week, uh, it goes, it goes a long way. You've, you've got double the amount of workforce, right? Um, and even when we brought on Brennan, our, our third partner, um, that again, added to our capacity and bandwidth, and he brought a skill set that we were lacking um, in terms of what we knew our clients were looking for that I couldn't necessarily provide or my brother. And so that's made um, for just a really nice fit um, and a lot of harmony between the partnership relationships and, and uh, founders of the company. Uh-huh, right. Uh, and uh, how did you, uh, when did you started your first hiring process? When you had your first teammate? And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do? So we hired our first teammate. Uh, it actually wasn't until about two years in. Um, so we were operating early on, um, just with myself, my brother, and then Brennan, our, our third partner, uh, what we were doing though, which I think looking back was very smart is we were leveraging strategic partnership. Um, so we identified other firms or other potential freelancers, that dependent on the project, we could fill in and service the client in the way that it needed to be done based on the amount of work um, that needed to get done. So that provided us the flexibility to not have huge overhead costs in terms of new employees, which would have been, it would have bogged us down since we were bootstrapped. And you know it's not like we had any sort of investment for the business, um, but we were still able to uh, handle larger scopes and provide more value um, to the clients, leveraging these strategic partnerships um, with all sorts of different vendors. And then what that also allowed us to do, it it helped us to identify who that individual would be for that first hire. So based on the strategic partnerships that we had, we started to see, okay, this type of individual has a lot of value, takes a lot of work off of our plates to where that kind of made that first hire a no-brainer because now we were going out and looking for that exact same person that we had a partnership with prior. Um, and so from a risk standpoint, I think you li- eliminate a lot of risk of saying, okay, we need to hire somebody, but we might not necessarily be sure who the exact right hire is, uh, but we were able to find that out through vetting um, uh, what types of relationships and what types of individuals were bringing the most value to the table uh, in the client relationships that we had. Yeah. So uh, coming to the point that uh, there are many freelancers out there who are, uh, maybe you, as you said, like they have been having a strategic partnership with the agency. When should one decide that, okay, this is the time that now I should seriously think about starting an agency. So far, I've been doing a freelancing, but now this is the moment I think I should go for starting out an agency. You know, this is like, uh, how should one decide that? right now i have to start an agency like any revenue yeah sure how should one decide yeah sure yeah i mean i think it is you know it's individual to the 
to the freelancer, right. Or, or to the person in terms of, you know, what, what are their goals? Right. I know a lot of freelancers that, Hey, they just continue to do freelance work and make a great living. And, um, you know, they're perfectly happy there. Uh, I think mm-hmm. for us, we wanted to build something that not only could provide for ourselves, but could also provide for others and not only just our employees, but I think also our clients as well. So as we started to work with clientele, you know, we started to realize that, Hey, there's a big need for almost a full suite of digital marketing and advertising services. And I think as a freelancer, you probably start to see that as well. Um, in the fact that, okay, a lot of times a client that may be running SEO that I'm working with is now asking, Hey, is there paid at, do you handle paid ads or can you help us with those efforts? So I think as those opportunities present themselves, that's when, okay, maybe I do step into the agency role to start to handle more complex, bigger scope types of projects, because I think that's the expectations that clients have when speaking with agencies. Um, is that they are able to cover a lot of ground, at least in the niches and the verticals um, that we focus on. Uh, with a freelancer as well, I think it's it's the book of business, right? If you have yeah. a book of business that you can leverage through a brand, I think that's when it makes a lot of sense to make a consideration for, hey, should I turn this into something bigger than just a freelance? Um, because I think at that point, creating that brand um, and building that legitimacy of a business versus just a freelance uh, relationship that that does does wonders when you're talking with larger clients as you start to scale up the type of work that you may be doing. Um, so yeah, I'd say that the key components are a solid book of business um, to where you can leverage that moving forward. And then, you know, is that something that you want to embark on as well, right? Because now you're talking about a lot of different components and moving parts uh, from an agency's perspective and, and setting up business entities and insurance yeah. for the business and uh, yeah. more complex accounting. Um, so you got to be, you know, you got to be cut out of the right cloth and, and understand that, hey, I'm going to have to start focusing time and effort on those things versus just the work that I like doing, uh, which is maybe the SEO or social media marketing, whatever it may be. Mm, right, exactly. Uh, one of the interesting point about your business that I found personally is you have very, you have a very good clarity about whom to focus, or you are very, uh, very focused that you want to focus on professional uh, people or individuals like uh, law lawyers or financial uh, advisors. You've had that clarity from the very beginning. So how did you got that clarity and? Uh, and this is something that everyone struggles with. Like they struggle with uh, which niche should I focus or uh, or should be the general uh, digital marketing agency providing the services to everyone? Or uh, how did you came across this uh, target audience of yours? Yeah, I think it, it it ended up being, you know, through practice, just research, right? Industry research. So um, as we started to have these conversations, you know, it, it became more and more apparent that these type of individuals needed our help and support, right? And so that kind of provided clarity for us that, hey, this is an area that we can definitely capitalize on and emphasize uh, when we're doing outreach. Uh, with that being said, we do, you know, we do cover e-commerce brands. We cover all sorts of different clients outside of that niche. 
but they're still make up a large percentage of our portfolio. And it's because one, we know them better than anyone else. So when we are communicating with those individuals, uh, we know their pain points. We understand the talking points, the nuances of the industry. Um, and we know that we can provide value of service. So I think that's the biggest thing is, is doing research and talking to individuals within certain spaces that you may be considering and saying, you know, hey, is this even something that you might want or need, whether now or down the road? Um, do you think mm -hmm. others might want it or need it? Does it even fit into um, your business model in terms of how you operate? Uh, I think, you know, we kind of got a little, a little bit lucky. I think, you know, with any business, you know, there's some luck involved in that. When I had that first engagement with Mark, the, the lawyer, I was like, oh, there's got to be, you know, there's got to be more people out there like him. And, and we were right, you know, as we started to have those conversations and, and that kind of helped direct and guide us. So I think it's just having an open mind, um, being, being uh, specific with the questions that you ask to try and determine you know, is this a space that makes sense to dive head first into and focus a lot mm -hmm. of my efforts on? Or, you know, do I take a, a, a category that maybe has more leniency or more opportunities uh, across different service segments? And, and that's kind of what we did too, is like professional services, you know, it does cover multiple different categories, right? So yeah. financial, yeah. law, real estate's another big one for us. Uh, and medical kind of gets thrown in there too. I think though, what is the common theme is the business owner or the CEO is their lawyers, they're a real estate agent, they're, uh, they're an insurance broker, right? So yeah. uh, they all have the need for additional support within their organizations and need that expertise to help them grow their business because it's not something that they're all comfortable with. Uh, or it's an yeah. adjustment for them um, in the course of their business life cycle. So uh, how did you reach out to all those people? Is Was it like cold call or like cold emailing or how did you got into these individuals? Uh, search and engine. Yes, yeah. search, en search engine optimization. Um, I'm a huge proponent of organic search engine optimization and content creation. Mm -hmm. um, to this day, our organic search and content team, those are two of our largest teams. Uh, it's, it's giving people the information and value that they're looking for number one, but it's also an opportunity to, for you to prove that, you know, what you're talking about, right? So yeah, right. Uh, through content and through information that you distribute, uh, you're able to show your competency and create a lower barrier of entry for them to take the next step and talk to you because they're already kind of warmed up. They've heard you in your blog or in your podcasts or wherever it may have been, and they know what to expect by getting on a call with you. And, and you've already kind of uh, filtered them in that, okay, I know yeah. they have a particular need. Um, so yeah, that was really the focus of ours early on because one, time was limited and we did have a few clients. So the client work mm -hmm. was taking up time, you know, and then it wasn't like we had eight hours a day to just cold call and knock on doors and do sales nor did we yeah. think that that was something that we could do um, at scale as well versus on the SEO side. Now we had a reliance of inbound leads coming to the website mm -hmm. on a regular basis. And we knew that over time, 
um, that would also improve as well as we built our yeah. domain authority, as we just more content, as we started to be seen as a thought and industry leader. Yeah. And uh, more probably, mostly that uh, the conversion rate of these inbound leads are also high. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We, we run all sorts of advertising, you know, paid ads, uh, SEO, um, LinkedIn outreach, outbound sales calls, uh, SEO conversion rate wise by far and away, uh, the highest converter because, because they know you, uh, in a sense, yeah. right. They've, they've read your yeah. content, they've done research. Um, that's how they've reached out to you is they've read articles and, you know, they've shortlisted you as one of those that they want to get in touch with and have a conversation with. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, as an individual, you vouch for uh, SEO and content marketing. That's what I understood. And uh, you have been very much fond of organic marketing. And uh, why, uh, you know, uh, when someone is starting out as an agency, uh, do you think that they should be, uh, how do they select their services that they will be providing? Should they look out, look out you know, to the, into the market and understand that, that, okay, this particular service is in demand, so I should be offering that, or they should be going out with, uh, this is a skill set that I have, I'll be offering no matter what, uh, it's in demand or not. So yeah, I think, do, it, do you, I think it's the uh, latter. And I think that's why people start businesses, right? Is they want to do something that they enjoy doing, right? So I, I really do think that is the most crucial component is doing something that you like and enjoy and that you're good at. Um, because that's yeah. where you're going to provide the most value. Um, and that kind of goes back to, okay, how, how do you determine to start a business? Well, if what you like doing, if you can find and justify that, hey, there's a need for it, then you've probably got a pretty good start in terms of, hey, this might be a viable business opportunity. Um, and, and what will happen too is you'll, you'll learn as well, right? To where as you start to do what you like, uh, there's obviously those complementary services and that's where you start to round out your skill set. And then maybe you do become uh, comfortable in offering those types of services to clients. But a lot of what we would do, we would always, if we were expanding services, it's always something that we did for ourselves first. And we proved that, okay, if this can work for us, we know it can work for clients. Definitely. And so that's what I love about, about our job is that, you know, I'm pitching services and strategies that we're, we're using, right? Like I believe in them. We know they work. It's how we've grown our business. We know that these can be put in practice in other industries. And so uh, that's just fun. It's fun because then you're seeing, okay, the fruits of the labor that you put into your own business being applied to somebody else's um, and they're seeing the same type of growth uh, in their organization. Right, right. Yeah, that's, I agree with that point. Yeah, absolutely. If you enjoy something that you do and it will be very much easy for you to scale as well. With, right, uh, yeah, no yeah. doubt. And I think too, you know, when you when you start doing stuff that you either you don't like, or you don't really have an expertise in the, the quality, the quality declines. Right. And I think yeah. that's a huge value that both freelancers agencies, uh, that's how they differentiate is how, how good of a quality of service is this. not just based on the results, but also based on how knowledgeable the person is about, uh, the particular service that they're offering as well. So, um, yeah. And, and if you don't like doing something, you're never going to be as on fire to do it or spend as much time as you probably should. 
Um, and so that's where, you know, you look for those partnerships, like I was talking about earlier, yeah. or in yeah. my, in my instance, you know, we had so much demand for social media. I'm not a social media guy. I'm, I'm not really much of a creative guy in terms of graphics and, and that type of content, or even understanding the Facebook ads platform. And so that's where Brennan, our other partner, that's, that's his skill set, right? That's, that's what right. he does best to where, okay, now we bring in another partner and can leverage his expertise. Now we have individual experts staying in their lane that understand um, how to provide the most value to the client. Yeah, especially when you have your interest in something like SEO, where, you know, the Google algorithm keeps on updating itself and you have to, every now and then you have to read things, you have to upskill yourself, you have to to be on top of, you know, uh, every, everything that is in the market. And uh, yeah, and that's really helpful when you are interested in what you are doing. Right. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Rob, my another question is like uh, for someone who is starting out or uh, who wants to start out a digital marketing agency, what is your one advice that you want to give it to them? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think, and this is something that looking back, I would have focused much more on right out of the gate is really building processes and systems within your or own organization uh, early on, right? So figuring out ways to leverage uh, technology, softwares that are out there, a lot of times it doesn't even need to be premium paid softwares. There's a lot of great uh, free solutions that you can leverage to just get more out of your time and, and be more efficient. Uh, about the after the first like 18 months, uh, we realized very quickly like, hey, we're not really we're not really set up to scale and to add on the number of clients that we'd like to add. And a lot of it was due to you know, we, we really just didn't have the proper infrastructure uh, to be able to do that. And so uh, for about a year, we, we spent a lot of time kind of going back and uh, figuring out, you know, how can we communicate more effectively, uh, integrating things like Slack into our internal communication, uh, creating SOPs for processes that we had in place to where, okay, now we could pass those through to a new hire or it might even be someone that is a partner that we're working with to understand how we build the processes. So uh, really just building a system. And so I think that's something that I definitely would have done differently. Um, we were just so focused on, hey, let's get started. Let's get a bunch of new clients as fast as we possibly can. Um, and even if we were to do that, uh, it would have been tough. We would have, we would have hit a ceiling at some point um, because we didn't have the proper pieces in place uh, in order to scale and just be more efficient. And then most importantly, I think is that's going to help you from a customer service standpoint. Uh, so making sure that you have proper communication with the channels, or you even have time to have proper communication uh, with your clients and um, setting up, maybe it's automated reporting that gets delivered to them for touch points like that. Uh, so that's what I would say. I mean, outside of obviously you know, identifying an area of need for the customers that you're going to target, you know, making sure that you do have uh, triggers in place uh, through different software that you can leverage uh, to position yourself to do more uh, than you would be able to do without those things. So uh, going back, that was definitely, we learned the hard way in that, you know, 
our first business really, you know, building a first business and, and didn't understand, you know, how important that component of a business is. Uh, and not only that, but again, allowing you uh, more time to focus on uh, higher priority items, knowing that, okay, these systems and the technology that we have in place are taking care of certain things, or uh, they're just making us more efficient to get more work done. Okay. What are the tools that you are using right now in your agency uh, for the productivity, for time management and things like that? What are the tools that you use? Yeah. So um, starts with email. I mean, we still do a ton of communication on email. So we leverage G Suite there. Um, we just love it because it also has all the different Google app components that integrate Google yeah. Drive. Um, we utilize Zoom for video conferencing and meetings. Uh, that's also great because we can record um, meetings in case somebody may miss it, or if we need to go back um, and say, hey, I forgot what they said, or I missed a note here, let's go back to the recording. Uh, we use Slack, uh, not only for internal communications between uh, departments and team members, but also for certain clients too, uh, to where mm -hmm. if it is a larger scale, larger scope type of project, um, we can add a client directly onto our Slack channel and be able to quickly communicate pass information through to them. Uh, we use teamwork from a project management uh, standpoint, as well as Trello. Um, so both of those tools, uh, depending on the type of service, uh, we'll use one versus the other teamwork being more message board related. Uh, Trello's more uh, scrum moving tasks from one column to the next to ensure completion. Uh, and then the final piece of the puzzle is, is we use reporting Ninja. Uh, so a great software, mm -hmm. and I think more or less specifically built for agencies. And that's really elevated our service offering in, in that we're able to provide our clients with a very nice uh, dashboard that has all the different metrics. We can load in the different types of uh, services that we're offering from SEO to paid ads to Facebook ads, Google Analytics, Google Search Console. Um, and so we're able to pull all of that into one centralized location to give them a holistic view of everything that we're working on. And then also send um, those automated reports to clients, which they appreciate more than anything, because for us, it doesn't it doesn't take us any time to do that yeah. outside of the setup. Yeah. But now they're getting um, feedback on the performance and we're staying in tune with them um, on a regular basis with the work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. These are the some of the additional, you know, tricks and tweaks that uh, uh, that helps the clients to impress, uh, that impresses the client, and uh, that's why you know client retention also increases. They have a different yeah. impression about you. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely client retention because we have found that too in the space. You know, you there's a lot of players, right? There's a lot of suppliers yeah. in the agency space. So whether it's agency, freelancers, whatever it may be. And so anything that you can do to, again, elevate that customer service, those touch points, yeah. the communication with the client, um, that goes a long way because, you know, we do hear a lot of times, hey, we started with X, Y, and Z agency and, you know, it started off great, but as things progressed, you know, communication fell off. And a lot of times it's because the agency may be getting busier um, or they just have other aspects of the business that are taking up more time to where if you don't have these certain components in place, you know, it really leaves the client feeling like they're not being taken care of. And so, uh, yeah, having these pieces in place just allows us to uh, be more efficient, 
um, the communication between all different departments and employees uh, within the organization is seamless. Um, and we really were just able to keep things on track uh, with the projects that we're working on uh, with our clients. All right. Yeah. Uh, Rob, this is my final question for you. And this is some of the interesting question that I have for you. And, uh, you know, I, while I was doing my own research about you and Flying V Group, I came across a content that spoke about uh, NFTs, cryptos, and marketing in that particular Web 3.0 era. For all the listeners who are not aware of the Web 3.0 and the marketing on that platform, I would say, uh, right now, what we're using, the Facebook, the Instagram, the Amazon, all of it is built on Web 2.0. And Web 3.0 is something which is involving cryptocurrencies, blockchain, NFTs, I mean, all those stuff. So uh, you are one of the few people, like I would say, who started out talking about marketing in that Web 3.0. And uh, can you just elaborate for all the listeners who are completely new about this particular thing? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we've 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 started to write a lot of content on just the space in general. Um, obviously, it's been thrusted into the limelight, especially over the last couple years. Um, and you know, we don't see that slowing down anytime soon. And similarly to traditional businesses, these businesses that are on the blockchain Web 3.0, they do have marketing and advertising needs in the same way that. A traditional business does as well. So the principles still kind of remain the same in that they're looking to build communities, they're looking to build followings, um, they're looking yeah. to communicate and pass con content and information through uh, quickly and effectively. Uh, so yeah, we've really had an emphasis on that space over the last 12, 18 months, I'd say, um, have a few clients uh, in that space as well. Um, and, and it's an interesting space, right? I think it's still, yeah. it's still, uh, being defined, you know, not everything's quite defined and even yeah. the big players from a marketing and advertising standpoint, your Facebook, your, your Instagram, Twitter, you know, they're still trying to feel things out, right. Yeah. In terms of what does it look like from a regulation standpoint? So there is red yeah. tape that a lot of these projects have to navigate, uh, in terms mm -hmm. of what they can say, what platforms they can say it on. Uh, and so that's part of our job is, is being a consultant for those types of clients and understanding what opportunities are available yeah. in the space, how they can capitalize on them. Um, finding so to be is... the most effective is just high quality content creation because people need to be educated about Web 3.0, yeah. about NFTs, tokens, whatever it may be. So uh, we've worked quite extensively to create blog content, uh, infographics, social media content yeah. that distributes their messaging and information on a regular and consistent basis. Um, so that's what we've been finding to be the most effective, at least right out of the gate. And then as times progress, you are getting uh, these platforms that are a little bit more lax in terms of, okay, we are going to allow certain paid promotion um, for these types yeah. of projects. But that is something that we're monitoring on a regular basis. And, um, uh -huh. you know, we see things continuing in that space. And, you know, you hear even the traditional businesses are talking about it all the time as well, or they're trying to figure out, okay, how does this, how, how do we fit into this evolving space yeah. from a web yeah. 2.0 to a web 3.0? 
Um, and so, yeah, definitely something we're keeping eyes and ears on and doing continual research and having conversations uh, with the Reddits mm -hmm. and the Twitters of the world to say, you know, hey, what can we do? What can't we do? How do we ensure that our client is marketing um, in a safe and effective way to avoid um, getting banned or, or blacklisted on certain platforms? So, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's intriguing and it's going to be something that's fun to monitor, you know, over the next couple of years. But, um, yeah, we see a ton of potential opportunity in the space and, and, uh, the decentralized component, um, of yeah. web 3.0 and just blockchain in general is something that, um, we're, we're big supporters of. And I, I think you have also bought some of the NFTs, which I can see through your Twitter profiles. Uh, you have changed it to a, you know, an uh, NFT. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, you Facebook changed their name to meta, you know, there's plays yeah. there. Twitter now yeah. allows you to connect, uh, just through your wallet, your NFT to display on your Twitter profile. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's happening right now at the speed yeah. it happens and the adoption that will be, you know, that will be determined, but we'd rather be ahead of the curve and then be ready to support, which we already are, um, you know, yeah. supporting those types of projects with needs from a marketing and advertising standpoint that they'll have in the same way as a, a traditional segment. And you're also looking for that early mover advantage in this place? When yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think just leveraging, um, again, content of our own, that's been the most effective for us, right? Is writing content yeah. about these specific spaces that highlight what the opportunities are currently, what they might look like a year from now. Um, and yeah, we'd like to be someone that's that's definitely on the cutting edge and an early mover to help uh, support and grow these projects. Because, you know, sometimes there is a bad rap and you, you, you always hear more about the bad projects, right? Or things that don't go as well or the people that might not understand and are scared. So they um, you know, they talk down on the space, but there's a ton of good stuff happening uh, in the space as well. And yeah, like one of our clients is a, a has a charity token component. They've donated over $500,000 to uh, hunger organizations worldwide. So a lot of good things happening in the space that I, I think sometimes doesn't get the limelight that it should uh, just because, you know, people love to emphasize the things that go wrong a lot of the times on all right. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, Rob, uh, this entire conversation that we had, it had a lot of detailing. It had a lot of information. The people who are, you know, uh, listeners who are listening to this podcast, they will be bombarded with a lot of value. And uh, I mean, all the experience that you had, it's pretty much evident through our conversations that we had. And, um, and anyone who wants to reach out to you, how do they get over? I mean, how do they connect? Where are you active mostly? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, flyingvgroup.com is our website. So from a business perspective, that'll get you a lot of good information. I encourage people to subscribe to our blog and our, our mailing list. Uh, me personally, I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, so at Rob Farian, R-O-B-B-F-A-H-R-I-O-N. And then you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Instagram. Uh, so pretty much on a lot of different platforms and would love to connect with with everybody and and please say hello and and send me a message and and as always if there's any advice i may be able to send or or questions that you may have uh please don't hesitate to reach out i'm an open book so i uh, would look forward to those network connections thanks thanks rob so anyone who's listening to this i will link down uh, rob's uh, social media handles and uh, all those email id in the description and all the comment sections 
you can reach out to him and and rob thanks for have thanks for being here and uh, it was lovely talking to you yeah thank you so much for having me i appreciate all the time spent and the great questions and conversation yeah look forward to talking with you again thank you so much yeah. all right bye 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 bye